Dear listeners, it's Kiana Taya here and welcome to the British Whisperer, the place to be to know which stories are making the headlines and learn the English you need. On the website, thebritishwhisperer.com, you can find the link to the podcast webpage with a transcript of this episode and its translation in Italian. In this episode, I'm going to focus first on tea and biscuits. Yes, my dears, because cups of tea and biscuits are in danger of dying out, writes the Telegraph. As trend prompts warnings that biscuit sales are at risk if younger generation does not establish the traditional British habit. Next, holiday boost as EU delays fingerprint checking. Tourists will be spared long queues during bumper travel season as new entry and exit system is pushed back amid fears of disruption. Also, I'll talk about Dry January. A new crop of alcohol-free bars and sober curious events has sprung up in New York City, catering to those seeking a nightlife that is not centered around alcohol. Last but not least, seven lessons from the world's long-strongest study on happiness. Starting in the 30s, researchers tracked the mood of 700 people throughout their lives and discovered what makes them happy. Are you ready to learn some new English today? Let's go! Whether digestive or rich tea, bourbon or custard cream, enjoying a biscuit with a cup of tea has been part of British life since the 19th century. But young people are shunning sweet treats in favour of more filling savoury snacks, such as samosas with their brews. With little time for free sit-down meals, those in their teens and twenties are more likely to snack on smaller bites throughout the day, according to food and drink experts. Exposure to more diverse cuisines through short cooking tutorials on TikTok is also encouraging youngsters to look further afield for their snacks, they added. The trend has prompted warnings that biscuit sales are at risk if younger generation does not establish the traditional habit. Further study from the market research company Mintel shows that 16 to 24 years old are half as likely to enjoy a sweet biscuit with their tea as those over 55. It's a pity, isn't it? Mintel, which interviewed around 2,000 tea drinkers between August and October, warned that future sales of sweet biscuits are at risk if the younger generation does not establish the odd drink with biscuits habit. Granola bars are the tea snack of choice for 1 in 10, 18 to 20 years old, more than double the proportion of over 65, according to a survey of 1,000 people by the United Kingdom Tea and Infusions Association. Mm, a granola bar with a cuppa, which I'm not sure I can get behind. I've never understood granola bars. Get all the nutrients you need from an entire meal in one Andy bar. Why would I want to do that? Granola bars have a lot to answer for me, if you ask me. Anyway, the under-30s are keen on a piece of fruit with their tea too. Fine if we are talking about a crisp apple, a chunk of sharp cheddar and a few odd cakes, but I'm not sure I want to wash down a clementine with a cup of milky tea. Anyway, last year Britons ate 1.9 billion of pounds worth of sweet biscuits. That's quite a lot. According to food historian Annie Gray, until the 19th century, biscuits were mainly eaten by the wealthy as part of the dessert course. Did you know? And in 1874, Britain removed the import duty on sugar, 
instantly making it cheap enough for most people to afford and giving a boost to biscuit manufacturers. What will happen now? Well, honestly, I don't know. I hope that young people won't leave, you know, just only us, uh, you know, just 40-something and 50-something to drink tea with biscuits. That would be a really pity. What do you think, dear listeners? Okay, talking about drinking, drive for January. New bars cater to the sober couriers, at least in the US and especially in New York. A new crop of alcohol-free bars, dance parties and sober couriers events have sprung up in recent years. They cater to the millennials and Zoomers who are reportedly drinking less and are seeking an alternative nightlife that is not centered around alcohol. Well, back to UK, I totally agree with Telegraph journalist Jack Rear, who writes, Why I'm doing damp January. I won't be taking part in dry January, he writes. It's impractical and doesn't sound enjoyable in these most depressing of months. Well, I agree. According to data, there are 8.8 million Britons taking part into this year's Dry January. The Dry January founding charity, Alcohol Change UK, has found that one in four of us increased our drinking in 2022, with one in six saying they drank to cope with their worries over the cost of living crisis, which seems like a dangerous slippery slope. Worse than that, a study published in The Lancet in 2021 found that participation in dry January was a risk factor in increased drinking afterwards because people felt a greater liberty to drink it to excess at other times of the year. Well, that's bad, isn't it? Essentially, the drinking equivalent of yo-yo dieting. Well, I've decided the answer, as with many of the great devices of modern life, is to chart a middle way. Neither sober, no boozy, dry, no wet, but merely dub January. Essentially, this means I'm drinking in moderation this month, less than I would normally, but without castigating myself for the odd gin and tonic. NHS guidelines say drinking in moderation means consuming 7 to 15 units a week, equivalent to around 6 pints of 6 medium glasses of wine. Well, not as hard as you would think, right? Dumb January also avoids a lot of the social pressure that tends to come with dry January. It's sad to say, but a lot of drinkers take it to a personal affront when you tell them, well, sorry, I'm not drinking, as though you are somehow judging them. Whereas if you go damp, you're still drinking, so you can meet your friends at the pub, and it's much less noticeable. Well, I'm hoping that the time February rolls around, the heady days of December drinking will feel a word away. But I'll have avoided alienating my social circle. Most importantly, it feels like an achievable step. Will you be participating in dry January, listeners? How about a damp January? Tell me by sending me an email at britishwhisper at writeme.com or putting a comment on my Instagram page. Holidaymakers travelling to Europe this summer will be spared long queues at the border after the EU delayed the rollout of fingerprint checks. The new entry and exit system, called EES, which would have required travellers from outside the block to have their photographs taken and fingerprints scanned, was set to be brought in this May, but has now been pushed back until at least the end of the year. 
the news will be welcomed by British holidaymakers who are booking trips abroad in record numbers after nearly three years of COVID-affected travel. The Telegraph has spoken to a number of travel firms that have reported inquiries and bookings in excess of previous years and creeping up towards pre-pandemic levels. Numbers of issues are to be resolved. Reacting to the delay in the EES, the International Airport Transport Association, which represents 300 airlines, said there were issues with the scheme that needed to be resolved to ensure holidays were not adversely affected. It said the postponement over the summer was to be welcomed. The EES will replace the current system where passports of non-EU travellers are checked and stamped on arrival and departure. Once in operation, holidaymakers from outside the EU traveling into a member state will have details including biometric data, fingerprints and facial images taken at an automated kiosk. The EU is also planning to introduce the European Travel Information and Authorization System in November. It will require travelers to register for the system ahead of entering the EU country and pay a fee of €7. Euro. It will be similar to the visa vape scheme already in place for travellers to the US. Research by ABTA, the Travel Association, has found that travel agents are expecting a bumper 2023, with 61% of people planning to heed abroad this year and 31% planning to book early. European destinations continue to prove the most popular, with Spain, France, Italy and Greece being named by ABTA as four of the top five most popular holiday destinations. Talking about airlines, could air someday power your flight? Airlines are betting on it, writes the New York Times. New technologies, including well fuel extracted from the atmosphere itself, could make flying more sustainable. But the challenges are many and the timeline is uncertain. Recently, airlines have been trying to reduce their carbon footprint, including someday pulling carbon from the atmosphere. New technologies are in the works, including hydrogen-powered aircraft, fully electric planes and synthetic jet fuel made from carbon extracted from the atmosphere. Wow, sounds promising, isn't it? Several airlines have already begun adding a small amount of cleaner burning biofuel, known in the industry as Sustainable Aviation Fuel, or SAF, to the normal fuel supply, a trend that should accelerate. Many companies are getting out ahead of government regulations, investing in emission savings efficiency improvements, while also, in some cases, making big bets on long-shot innovations that could dramatically reduce emissions in the future. Over its life cycle, SAF can produce less carbon dioxide than conventional jet fuel, with which it may be blended. But SAF production remains limited and it is expensive, so airlines have been moving slowly, mixing small amounts into the existing fuel supply at select locations. But enthusiasm inside the industry is high. Well, and I'm also enthusiastic about this idea. What do you think, dear listeners? Okay. Let's move on to happiness. Ask any group of people what they want out of life or what they want for their children's future and most will reply, happiness. This is as true now as it was nearly a century ago. In the 1930s, this study recruited 724 participants, a mix of male Harvard students and low-income boys in Boston, who they tracked as they built careers, got married and eventually retired. 
Their wives and children joined the study and every five years researchers took health records from the participants and every two years they asked a set of details questions. Later, they also took DNA samples and performed scans. So, let's look at the Telegraph 7 lessons from the world's longest running study on happiness. One among the most interesting ones is skip the sandwich at your desk for lunch with your work friend. <laughs> That's a nice suggestion. Leave work or at 6 p.m. and don't answer emails at the weekend. Well, that's an interesting tip to be done. Well, well, needed to be remembered, that one. Stop lurking on social media. I can't agree more. And swap WhatsApp for a quick phone call. Well, as a journalist, I know that all the best interviews happen either in person or on the phone. And yet, I regularly catch up with my closest friends about important life events over text. So, the, st the study uh, reports that it's a habit we need to train ourselves out of because so much of how we communicate and connect isn't through actual words, but the way we say them. Speaking to someone is one of the easiest ways to feel close to them. Writing messages doesn't have the same impact. Well, yeah, I think they are right. And what is your thought about this? And especially... What about taking the quiz on the Telegraph page? You can find the link in the podcast script. And <laughs> I'm curious to know what was your result in the friendship quiz. Uh, you can send me an email or anyway, comment on my Instagram page. <laughs> As always, okay. Well, let's not forget that this Sunday uh, started the Lunar New Year, the Year of the Water Rabbit. Except in Vietnam, what well, would be the year of the cat, as far as I understood. Well, the Lunar New Year is also the occasion for Chun Yun, a 40-day period when multitudes of people all over China, Taiwan and other East Asian countries travel home for the holidays to spend time with their families. Well, it's like Thanksgiving travel rush or Christmas holidays travel in UK, but with 2 billion trips expected this year in China alone. Well... Quite remarkable, isn't it? Well, that's all for today. That brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, thanks for joining me again. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. As always, on the website, you can find a full transcript of the podcast in translation in Italian. If you enjoy my show, please hit subscribe on Spotify or Apple so you don't miss any other episode. And if you enjoyed and you like to support, please subscribe and leave a rating and a review on Spotify or Apple. And if you can, a small donation via PayPal, you can find a link on my website, thebritishwhisper.com. And to stay up to date with The British Whisper, you can follow me on Instagram and spread the word to your friends to subscribe. You are welcome to share any feedback, thoughts or ideas writing an email to thebritishwhisper at writeme.com. And I hope that you can take some valuable information from this episode and apply it to your English learning. Be sure to come back next week for a new episode. Until then, I'm Caratia and this is The British Whisper. Bye!